Hello, Texans, and welcome once again from soggy West Virginia for tonight's edition of Texans All Access post-practice training camp, post-practice number six, day number seven here at the Greenbrier as we arrived a week ago today, actually. In fact, exactly a week ago. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Yeah, it was a week ago that we were at the Greenbrier welcoming the team buses as they arrived. You know, it's interesting. Wednesday, for some reason, Wednesday has been the day that I've had circled because Wednesday we arrived Mm -hmm. halfway through this Wednesday, which is today, we would be one week from leaving for Kansas City. So oh, yeah. it's like Wednesday like Wednesday was kind of the, the key to me was mm-hmm. that arrival, departure, and then the week right in between, you know, the day right in between, you know, you'd be a week from being here from arriving, you'd be a week from departing. I told the Vanderwife two oh, weeks, very. and she said, no, it's longer than two weeks because you won't be home till Friday, whatever. I yeah. know, but Early it's two Friday. weeks for us because by then it's a road trip. Road trips don't count. Yeah, road trips don't count. That I mean, doesn't count. We do those in our sleep. Yeah, I mean, it's like 24 hours, yeah, whatever. That's, that's nothing. You, you can pack easy. that bag easy. I've, I've, gotten, I've, I've gotten that down. This is my fifth year doing it. It's like running shoes go in there, game shoes go in there, jeans mm-hmm. go in there. Dop kit, done, let's no, go. But it's hacking easy. for a road trip for us. By the way, the team is this just amazing. Trip. Mike Parson does an incredible job with all the stuff. Oh, and I wanted to to say this because we were talking about decal gate, Mike Florio making a big deal oh. out of no bullheads on oh, the helmets, God. which has been just a common occurrence in the Bill O'Brien era in the offseason ever since 2014, so don't overreact, Florio. But also I was told that Mike Parson really appreciates not having to have those on the helmets this time of year because they get all nicked up and yeah. you need to replace exactly. them and you want them to look all shiny and spiffy for game day. So it's really nice for these guys, these equipment guys, not to have to deal with that yet. I can't imagine the number of things that Mike has to pack. I happen to actually see Mike today over at the Lewisburg Walmart. Big case or a oh, big no. uh, shopping cart. He's getting a bunch of stuff, and yeah. I happened to see him, and I was with my family, so I introduced them, and, and I said, yeah, I said, I told my my family, I said, Mike's in, Mike's the one in charge of getting everything here, and then he goes, yeah, now I'm in charge of getting everything back. Yeah, that's tough. Oh, because, my goodness, that's tough. And I'll tell you why it's tough for this year. Here's a little inside the Greenbrier trip for you, that they go to Kansas City from here. Mm-hmm. Last year they went to Carolina, then came back, then they went home. Right. And they had a lot of room to maneuver that way. Now they're taking one plane to Kansas City. So there's going to be a big truck going back from the Greenbrier with all the stuff you don't need for game day. Right. It's hard to sift through that. And you can't be like, oh, oh I forgot the shoulder pads. Uh, <laughs> we'll go to Walmart and get some shoulder pads. You just can't do that. No. I mean, you really have to be extremely well organized. I would not be good at that Mike Parson job. No, no. way. The it's, equipment job, no way. I can't imagine what the, the checkoff list is. For that, for that entire trip, and that, and that's the other thing, we know about the shoulder pads and the shoes and the jerseys and all that kind of stuff. But there's so many other things that have to get on on the equipment bus that you don't even you don't oh, even yeah. think about the little the little equipment cart that's on the sideline with all the little knickknacks for the helmets and knick-knacks. all the all the things for the shoulder pads and all those kind of things. That thing is huge. It's yeah. massive. And to keep that thing loaded, and, of course, it's always got to have bags of sunflower seeds, and you got to have the right seeds. So there's, the right seeds. there's that. That's, I mean, that's very And the important. right knickknacks. Of course. Does it say knickknacks on the side of the box? I don't think it says knickknacks, no. but I used to have to worry about that with my team. Like, okay, do I have enough helmet clips? Do I have enough chin straps? Do I have enough buckles? Did you have an equipment guy coaching high school football? Me. 
You were the equipment guy. I was guy. the equipment guy. I did everything. Oh, that's tough, man. I did everything. It must have been really great by the time you get to actually coach oh. a game. But Love then right it. afterwards, you're thinking, oh, now i got a lot of work to do, clean up stuff. Oh, it was that was the that was the most the equipment was the one thing I wanted to farm out somebody mm-hmm. on my staff. I just and I couldn't do it because I was the only one on staff, full time on staff, other With, than my working one for assistant. The yeah, and, yeah, working for school. And so the equipment part, Mike does such a great job of just making sure. And think about it, how many, how many pairs of cleats does each guy need? Because they'll wear some when they go out on the field, and then they don't like the feel of it, so they want to wear a different pair, or they yeah. want the new studs. That it starts to rain. It's, yeah, and it's a grass field, so how are you going to attack it? It's field, it's, you know, it's a turf like we have at home. What's, how's that going to go? I mean, it's, it's really his job. I mean, the thing about his job, it's a lot like being an offensive lineman. You're not going to hear an offensive lineman's name for the most part when, he, mm-hmm. when it's going well, but when things don't go well, all of a sudden, oh my goodness, it's it was very And then true. anticipating weather, that's the other one. I remember talking to Mike about that last year. We were going somewhere, I can't remember where it was. We were going somewhere and the weather report mentioned rain. Yeah. And so by mere had, mention of it. He had to pack all the rain gear. Yeah. All of it. Just and in case. We got there and there was no there was no rain or at all. Or if it might be cold, right. but kind of borderline. Right. Is it cold, cold not gear? cold? What do we have this year in terms of cold weather, by the way? Anything threatening? We've got all those northeast games and Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, what you have I no idea about Denver in October. I mean none. That could be anything. It could be it could be a there's, foot of there's snow. no telling. Then you go be, to DC in November, you go to New York and you go to Philadelphia in December. You're playing the Jets in Philadelphia back to back weeks in December. You could have a really cold one, you could have some snow. You could have a nice day. It really depends. I mean, obviously, it just does. You're dealing with a crapshoot situation weather-wise. All right, thought we'd open up with a little bit of that. Actually, I didn't. We just did. We just did that. We've done a ton of shows. We're going to continue to do a ton of shows because that's how we roll here. And tomorrow we'll be on at 8 a.m. with Texans Training Camp live. And it was fun today. We had the Whitney Merciless Diary. DP did another one, by the way, so we're going to have to get to that at some point. But not today. Today we have... Guess, guess what? Nate Washington, former Texans wide receiver. Awesome. Saw him yesterday. So I caught up with him today, and he's at camp learning about coaching. He played for the Texans in 2015, just one season yep. in Houston, but I loved having Nate on the team. Former Tennessee Titan and former Pittsburgh Steeler, a couple of rings with the Steelers. This guy knows what he's doing. So a couple of, actually, a couple of Super Bowl participation, participation trophies. Now, um, they lost one to the Packers. They lost one, but he won two. Did he wait? Did he win two? He went. He won two because he got the 05 and the 08. Jeez, he got the 05. And that, then in ten, they he, lost. He got the 05. I think he was gone in ten already. I think he was gone in ten. So, so I think he got the 05. So he has two actual championship rings. Yes, I remember him. T- I want to say I remember him talking about that. That he was there for both, but he was not there for the loss. If I remember correctly. Well, that was their problem. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, he was a rookie in 05. Now, he only played in one game. He was a rookie in 05. I remember that. Okay, he was a rookie. I remember interviewing him about this back in 2015. His yeah. last year was 2008, where he was he had 40 receptions, 631 yards. And then in 2010, by 2010, he was already with Tennessee. So 2008, they win it, mm-hmm. and then he leaves. Yeah. Then he goes so, to Tennessee as a free agent. Yeah, so he gets a ring for 05. He gets a ring for 08. More participant 08, and then goes to Tennessee, and then comes to Houston in 2015, where... Uh, that was his last year. And it was interesting when you said that because when you told me he was here, because I had seen on Twitter over the weekend he had a, there was a video of Malcolm Butler one on one against Corey Davis, and 
Nate, now that you have 280 characters, Nate was saying, hey, this look, this is what the receiver could have done. I offered my services to the Titans, but essentially they didn't want it. Oh, my gosh. And he so, tweeted that? Yeah, he tweeted that out saying that he – I don't know. I don't know what capacity, whether it's a consultant or coaching. I don't know. But uh, his his point was not to not to say that Corey Davis wasn't doing it right or whatever. But he just said he offered his services to the, to the Titans. He's got a lot to offer. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up coaching at some point. He, it sounds like he wants to become a coach, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him coach at some point down the road, whether it's in the NFL, college, whatever the case might be. He, I think, would be a really good coach. I think he would be very, very good. And I think yeah. the players would relate to him very well. Well, wait, wait till you hear what he says about the Texans wide receiver crew and Deshaun Watson and all of it, and that's coming up in the next segment. Also, David Quesenberry, you've heard of him. We have. And uh, I had a chance to catch up with him after practice, so we'll be hearing about that. Uh, before we get to any interviews or anything else, what did you notice about practice today? What stood out to you today about practice, if anything? They were back at the full pads today. They were. And I think it, it, it's interesting. We've talked all about injuries. And, well, last year the injury level was obscene. But I think we saw today, and it wasn't as if the offense didn't fare well. I thought the offense had some really good moments today. But I felt like today you could start the, the impact of DeAndre Hopkins not being there. Now he'll be, he'll be there tomorrow, mm-hmm. but he's been he's been gone the last two days dealing with the ma- uh, personal matter. He'll come back, and so he'll be here on Thursday. So I think not having him, what it's doing is it's moving other guys into other parts, and I don't know that th- that's just not in sync. I think if it was forced to be in sync, if, you know, if DeAndre were out for some period of time. I think those guys would, would fall into the roles and they'd be fine. The other aspect of it is Kiki QT has not been yeah. uh, out there for the last couple of days. So you're down two now. Yeah, so you're down two guys that I have a feeling that, well, of Hopkins, Hopkins, of course, but we talk so much about Kiki and what he means to this offense and what he's going to mean to this offense. Yeah. So taking those two guys out of, out of that has forced some different parts in there together. And there actually was a point in practice where they were doing 11 on 11 and they were replacing the wide receivers and the tight ends every play. Yeah. So Will Fuller in the first group, I think it was Will and Sammy, would go, and there might be a tight end or two. I can't remember how they had it configured. Those guys would run a play. They'd come out. The line and Deshaun and Lamar Miller would stay there, and a whole new group of wide receivers yeah. and tight ends would go in there. I think this is really good for everybody to too. get a little taste of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Fuller was running some of those DeAndre Hopkins routes. Yes. And Fuller, it wasn't like toe-drag swag, but Fuller had a couple of catches that were – Hopkins like yes he was getting worked on by Kevin Johnson and the coverage was good but the ball was in a good spot and Fuller made some nice catches and like we said I think this morning yesterday I get it all blurred together because (laughs) we've been doing a lot of camp shows but I haven't seen too many drops you haven't seen too many drops and Will Fuller's hung on to everything so that's been really cool to see he was real steady looked like a number one NFL receiver out there today Yeah, there's no doubt and I I wrote in, in Harris hurry up that one of the best battles to watch has been Kevin Johnson and Will Fuller. And it's been it's been tremendous because what you see, what I what I love about it are the assets are coming to the forefront. Will is is selling that deep route. The one thing that Will does really well that I don't think he gets a lot of credit for is his route running is tremendous. Yep. When he works the deep out route, I mean he can sell that deep ball and then get that cornerback turned and then break to the sideline. You line. gotta respect it. You have to. And the nice thing about it is on the flip side of that is Kevin is right there. Like he's quick enough and you can see that quickness. He's quick enough to make that a really tough throw. And Deshaun is putting it right on the money. And it's nice to see because when when Will is scoring all his touchdowns, the 
the majority of them seemed to be deep balls down the field. There were specific routes that they were running. That's how they were getting in the ball. But to see Will make those catches on the outs like mm-hmm. DeAndre does mm-hmm. was like, man, if the left hand isn't getting you, the right hand can. Man, that's awesome. Because in years past, if the left hand, DeAndre, wasn't getting you, your right hand was dead, and you were dead at that point. Right. But now if you're getting it from both sides and you can do those things, I mean, think about that, just out, 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 and you're just working the outside. Well, what are your safeties going to do? They, Well, they got to help, so they got to widen, they got to widen, and then your inside passing game becomes that much more wide open. So if you could do that, boy, that would be really, that'd be really effective. I think your earlier point, though, does apply. The defense was making plays. Yes. And that's what you expect this time of year. You know, I think the offense – I'm not going to go as far as to say they've been feasting, but the offense has looked very good. Yeah. And I've pointed that out before. For early in camp, the offense has looked very good. Today was a little tougher, and this is what you want to see. You want to see your defense this time of year lead the way. And the offense, and it's the old cliche, you're trying to build something on offense, you're trying to tear something down on defense. It's easier to tear something down than it is to build it. Yep. And they've constructed something pretty good here and I think as they layer on stuff, and if they're missing personnel like Hopkins and QT, for example, it's only going to be tougher against the defense that is pretty good. Yeah, that defense is and, – and it's not as if Rack is throwing him the basics. Mm-hmm. He's, throwing a, he's throwing a number of different things at Deshaun and the offense, and that, I think that's been good. I think it's been really good. But what it has done is the offense is not a – it's not a finely tuned machine. There have been really – there have been – They've been solid, mm-hmm. but it's not at that level. And you don't expect it to be. Right. But it's not at that level it was in the Seattle game. It's not at that level it was in the Tennessee game. Not yet, anyways. Yeah. On the other side, you got to – and the other thing to keep in mind is the defense knows. They, they know by alignment. They know what place coming. Here's a great example. The Texans came out today with three tight ends. The formation where they had three tight ends. They had Griffin, they had Akins, and they had those Griffins, Anderson, and Akins. It was a three tight end set. And they line them up all to the right side. And they did that drill. They did a drill early in 11 on 11. Yeah. Dylan Cole was in there at that time. And Dylan pointed right over there. And they ran right there. And they did that same formation later in practice. And Dylan Cole was in there again. And I remember seeing him distinctly point right at there and goes, the balls, he's pointing. Like you could almost see the words, the balls going there. And he went right there. So. There are they're some not things. doing that in the regular season. Right. That's my point, is that in the game, they're going to set that up and say, okay, here comes the ball, boop, nope, here comes the bootleg, and yeah. now you got one of those tight ends leaking across, wide open. But you got to respect it. But the defense knows a lot of what the offense is doing. They've been together since, since yeah. you know, minicamp and OTAs. They know what they're doing. So that's another, that's another difficulty for the offense. Yeah, that's why you have to start hitting somebody else eventually. Exactly. Going up against somebody exactly. else. But it's going to be a week from tomorrow. We're still – a ways away, as we like to say, from that. All right, we're going to continue here. David Quesenberry coming up. Nate Washington, a little Brian Gain reloaded, talking about the defensive backs. Let's get into it here on Texans All Access. All right, you're going to. Keeping you up to date on your Houston Texans, it's Texans All-Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris here in Butler Cabin. My nicknamed place for this place, which is actually a restaurant above the 18th hole at Old White, the premier golf course here at the Greenbrier. This is where we do the evening show because it's a little bit different. Change of pace for us. There's nobody on the practice field right now, so 
why do the show there when we have this beautiful view of the mountains and the 18th green, right? Heck yeah, I mean, look at this place. And then, of course, after the rain we got this afternoon, mm-hmm. it is lush and green and beautiful. And there were puddles. There were puddles on that green earlier. Yeah, there were. It, it, it didn't take long for those puddles to go away. I'm, I'm making me think. I wonder if I can hit some balls tonight. You might be able to. You never know. I always wondered that about. Wherever you go and you play on some sort of grass field, golf course, football field, how well does it how well does it drain? Like it how well will a place like this drain? Uh, it depends on the course and the terrain, and obviously if there are some areas that tend to puddle or not. Yeah. But there are some courses in Houston that drain very quickly, and some that stay underwater for a while. By the way, I rode my bike around the mountains today, and uh, I was just worried about bears. You know, didn't want to get yeah. attacked by a bear. That is definitely something you do have to worry about. The bears. Uh, I don't know if you get attacked. They run away. You know, these are black bears. They don't attack. No. Unless but, you have food and stuff. But, or if, but you if you go surprise a, them. If you surprise them. Ooh, I don't want to surprise anybody. Yeah, that, that's my worry. It's like yeah. you, you get surprised ooh. and then you kind of shriek out and that scares them. And then I saw a family of deer. I saw a family of deer on Did my you? way. Yeah, it was very cool. And they were not scared of me at all because they're like domesticated deer. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we see people here all the time. We know you're not going to shoot us. <laughs> I'm like, how can you be so sure? <laughs> well, where I am, the deer run from us all the time. Yeah. They see us and they You're just frightening. That's what it off. is. All right, let's get to this. David Quesenberry hopes to be a frightening offensive lineman, hoping to make the 53, and more than that, he wants to play a whole ton of football, and I had a chance to visit with him after practice. How did the late-season playing time help you coming into the offseason, David, and this training camp? Just, you know, it was confidence. It was it was you know, proving to these guys that I can do it in games for real live, and uh, and I felt good and I felt like I played really well. And so coming into the season, I just you know build on that and take take it into this one. How much of this camp is physical? How much is technique? I know it's a combination of both, but how do you see it? I think last year for me it was all about the physicality of it, getting back into it. This year I feel great. Like last year it was like muscles that I forgot get sore and this year you know it's just like just like any other practice and uh that, that's motivating to me so this year I think a lot of it is, is mental it, it's uh it's using my knowledge of the game to put me in the best situation possible I noticed you stayed a little late after practice today but when you do that what kinds of things are you working on well I'm basically just just my past sets you know that's that's the that that's the name of the game you know especially on third down in this league and you know I, you just gotta work it. You just gotta work it, work it, work it until uh, until you're feeling, until you step on the field and you're you know supremely confident. Does run blocking come much more naturally, really, for most offensive linemen? And pass blocking is the real technique, footwork stuff. Yeah, I think run blocking is a lot more fun because you get to you know you get to kind of deliver a blow. Pass blocking is definitely a lot of technique and reaction, and and that that takes a lot of um, it's it's a really learned skill. We've been asking a lot of the old linemen who keeps it light in the offensive lineman room, and the consensus seems to be Mance, although Big Trell's gotten some votes. Your thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, Big Trell, even though he won't admit that he's funny, I think he's hilarious. Mance always, he's a goofball. Uh, Nick Martin, Nick Martin, you know, brings, brings everyone together. We got, we got a really good room. What's it like after hours at the Greenbrier with the guys? I mean, is it like a dorm? Obviously, it's not a dorm. It's a little nicer than that. But what is the atmosphere like? You know, it's it's everybody together. It's just you know, your team. You're away from your family. You're 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 here. You're together. You're just you know, we're working. You know, it's it's, it's not a vacation out here by any means. But 
you know, when, when we're not in meetings or we're not on the practice field or we're not getting treatment, you know, we're, we're playing games, we're hanging out with each other. It's, it, it, it's, um, it's camaraderie, you know. It, 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 we're building that, so it, it's cool to be out here. It's going to be a week still before you play that first preseason game. Are we in the dog days sort of of camp right now, the real grind? You know, it, it is it is a grind for sure right now. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, I've, I learned to love the grind, you know. It's it's one of those things that you just kind of you kind of embrace it and you, and you go with it. And I think that's the attitude that you know, helps me out the most. Absolutely. David, thanks a lot for being with us. Always, always. Johnny, that's a cancer-free interview with David Quesenberry. Isn't that cool? Cancer-free, just isn't, talking football with isn't him. Isn't that cool? That's so, that's so fun yeah. to think about. And I know that's what he is. He has ached for for so long to just to be interviewed by me. Let's just well, yeah, that. <laughs> but just to talk about anything but cancer. Let's talk mm-hmm. ball. Let's talk about how I fit. Let's talk about what my role is. How am I going to make this fifty-three man roster? And I, I love that for him because yeah. now he's he's just back to being David Quesenberry, a guy fighting for a roster spot. Yeah, and putting good stuff on tape and. Hopefully it's going to be here in Houston where he has established himself for a number of reasons. But one of the things you talked about was getting that playing time at the end of last year and how important that was for him. And hopefully that's something that can help propel him forward to get a spot on the 53 and get get on the squad on Sundays on the 46 and see what he can do going forward. And the preseason games are huge for so many people, but he especially wanting to make an impression because it's very tight. I mean, you did, and we're going to do this tomorrow, I think, do our early take of the 53-man roster a week out of the preseason game. But you had him on the bubble to make yep, this offensive line. And if they keep nine, it's eh, looking iffy. If they keep ten, looks better. But he's right there. I mean, if you're talking about Joe Lenardi, where he would put him, he would be <laughs> – if you're keeping nine, he's first one out. If you're keeping yeah. ten, he's last one in right. kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, the way we see it right now. Anyway, maybe the coaches see it completely differently, especially once they play a few preseason games. And they don't have to make the cut. In fact, I was approached today. Somebody said, hey, with that first cut, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there is no first, no cut. first cut. It's one cut after the final preseason game. That's how they do it these days, which is a smart thing to do. I always thought that. Because in that final preseason game, just go ahead and play everybody you want to cut. Give them a chance. Give yourself a chance to see them one final time. And don't play anybody that you don't want to risk injury to going into the regular season. I mean, just having those 15 extra bodies for that final game. And who knows? One guy makes makes a play at at some point in that final game that, wow, well, maybe we should think about this. Or just forces you to think about whether that guy – should the practice squad getting one of those 10 spots in the practice yeah. squad maybe that's what that last game that last game can be for those guys so i know it's crazy and that's one of the things i want to talk about with uh gm brian gain tomorrow is just that that procedure going from 90 to 53 instead of having the the pit stop at 75 going yep. from 90 to 53 what happens after that when you start looking at players that have been released, and you start thinking about waiver claims. Is there anybody that you want to claim that's out there? That is a crazy process because 37 times 32 is a lot of dudes that come available all at once. Hey, you know who's scheduled to appear on Friday? Andre Johnson. I that's just thought awesome. I'd bring that up. He was never on the bubble. Never on the bubble. Okay. And the first season he wasn't a Texan was 2015. And that was the first season and the only season that Nate Washington was a Texan. And as we mentioned in the first segment, he's been visiting practice for a couple of days. And I visited with Nate after practice and asked him 
What are you doing here? Uh, just come to learn the logistics of coaching. You know, I've spent so many years around the game itself. You get home and you just find out it's like a family members of yours that you haven't seen in a long time. I was missing the game, missing the camaraderie, and just realized that I had a lot to give to the younger guys in the game. So learning and understanding the logistics of the coaching end of the game under Coach O'Brien. You need to go visit some other camps as well? Yes, I plan on going to my college at Tiffin University. I'll be there for a week, and I actually, actually has um, received an offer from Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. I don't know if I'm going to make it there due to uh, schedule requirements, but just getting some um, some opportunities from some of the coaches that I was able to play under. Well, you had a great career, obviously, and Super Bowls and everything else, but what is it like when you're finally done with your playing career? What is that whole transition like? It's excellent. Uh, it, it's, it can be difficult for a lot of guys. You know, as I stated, this, is, this game is our everything. It's our mother, father, brother, sister, wives, you know, um, so many things that this game fulfills for us emotionally and physically that leaving the game itself, it, it kind of puts you in a kind of shocking stage. You know, you, you get in a situation where you're home a lot more, you know, uh, you have a lot more free time, and a lot of guys don't understand that those are things that we weren't used to. So the transition in itself has been good for me. You know, family has been good. Uh, just spending some time with them. My girls, are, my two girls have been growing up, and me and my wife are just doing some good things in the community. So we're just continuing to build our family and trying to continue to grow. Nate Washington with us. So you see a lot of young players here. What is the most important thing they need to focus? Some of these guys who are young and maybe undrafted trying to make the squad. This is a grind. You know, I think a lot of the guys are just so used to playing football that you get to this stage and you don't understand the things that come along with it off the field. You know, taking care of your body, making sure you're handling business, making sure you're being accountable off the field and all those things that come along with it. So a lot of the guys are understanding that it's bigger than the game. You know, a lot of these guys dreamed of this as a young kid, you know, and at that stage it's just football for them. But to get on this this level you know you understand the business end of it you understand what's required of you from an organization as you're representing them and just trying to give them advice on those type of things you know taking your taking care of your body away from the training staff and making sure you're doing everything you can away from the building to build yourself as a professional Obviously, the team is different from when you played, but what do you think of this year's version of the Houston Texans? I like what they have. You know, obviously, they've added some additional pieces to their defense and Tyron Matthews, and they have some key guys in JJ and Marcellus coming back. So I think it, I think it'd be a good year for them. You know, I'm, I'm excited about to see the evolution of the young guys in the receiving courts, as in Will Fuller, and you know, uh, just to see Bruce Ellington come along. DeAndre is obviously going to be himself, you know, and continue to make some spectacular plays. But to see a Deshaun Watson in, in a year or two will definitely be outstanding. I think he's grown, and he definitely understands the game. He's not a typical year two guy. So this team has definitely all the things that they need to make sure they make an impact this season and possibly do something in the playoffs. When you see what Tennessee did last year, when you see what Jacksonville did last year, and I know you obviously spent time with the Titans, so what do you think of the division overall? I think the AFC North, uh, South, excuse me, has definitely changed. This has been a conference in the previous years, you know, that was kind of side-eyed by a lot of other teams along the NFL, but now that you step into this AFC South, you have to respect every team in it. You know, I think even with Andrew Luck coming back, the possibility of him coming back this year, this is going to be a tough division and, and a hard-fought game every single game that they play each other you know the, I think it's pretty much wide open 
anybody can come out at the top. Everybody has a great team. Everybody has a great leader, uh, coaching staff. I, I see a lot of big things coming from this division this year. One more for you, Nate. When you see the Texans training at the Greenbrier, are you a little retroactively envious that they get to come up here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they come away, and I, w- I was actually talking to my wife about this. To get a, a chance to get away from the city gives you an opportunity to come focus on what's most important at this time, football. You know, they're in a location where there's not too many distractions around, re- uh, remote location where everybody has to spend time with each other, get to know your teammates, get to know the opposition and, and what's going on and what's required of you. So you come up here, you're able to focus on a game. So I guess I could... I guess I can say I'm a little jealous that they have that opportunity to come here and, and bond and become one and get some time together to understand what, what each other is going to be able to do for the team. One more, actually. I know I, I lied when I said uh, one okay. more last one. But you were part of a season in which the start was so rocky, but the Texans were able to rebound and finish 7-2 and two and make the postseason. What was that whole experience like when you started out as difficult as you did and then rebound? It was a tough, tough situation. You know, uh, we, we dealt with some injuries under the center. Uh, we dealt with some interchanging guys. You know, it was it was a tif- difficult situation. But as you know, Coach O'Brien is a next guy up mentality. You know, it doesn't always work like that on the field, but those things are required from you. It doesn't matter who you are on the team. It doesn't matter how much you're being paid. You're you're required to do a job. You know, so we just stuck with it. Uh, it was one of those seasons where you know it, we it was easy to be under a different organization and a different staff and just throw in the season, but with Coach O'Brien at the helm, those things weren't going to happen. We knew every single game we had, we were going to go out and give our all, and that's all we can control. You know what happened at the end of the season was going to happen, but you know at at a certain point of the season, we had to realize you know we don't care who's on the field, we don't care you know if another guy is hurt, you know we have to go out here and perform because we're expected to, and we were able to pull off a playoff season and, and try to get some things going. Nate, it's so great to catch up with you. Terrific to see you. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Johnny, I always enjoyed visiting with Nate Washington and Cecil Shorts, who was here that year. And Cecil is now a Texans ambassador. So we'll be hearing plenty from him. DP did a podcast with him. But Nate is somebody I've always liked. He was also part of a painful memory for me. It was the 2008 opener at Pittsburgh. Oh, gosh. And the Texans were really manhandled in the first half of that game. And the Steelers had the ball coming out of the locker room, second half, first drive. And I thought, okay, now you can make some hay here. And they went double tight ends. Washington, the only receiver. They had Heinz Ward on the team back then. Washington, the only receiver. And they proceeded to just pound the ball. I think they handed off every single play and drove down the field for another score. And I was very demoralized after that. So Nate Washington was on that team and eventually ended up as a Titan, like we said. And it's been fun to visit with him. How about him going to Tiffin? He's also going to Tiffin yeah. to visit with their coaching staff and see how they do business. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an interesting kind of point in life for Nate, trying to decide, hey, I want to go be a coach. And the thing about, the thing about Nate, Nate can coach in the NFL. He can coach in college. Where are you coaching high school? Mm-hmm. He's going to have an impact. He has so much knowledge to share. I always got the impression that Nate loved playing ball in large part because he got a chance to be in the locker room with players and share and listen to play. I, he, to me, he, to me, understood the teammate process more than anybody. Like, he understood the words good teammate. He got it. Like, he listened to guys. He shared his advice with guys. He was not one of those – that stayed in the corner, said nothing. He was willing to share his knowledge and talk to guys on the team, help rookies. I think he would be a fantastic coach if that's the what way would, he decides to go. What would you career. do if you were Nate Washington? Would you go college? Would you go – I mean, Tiffin, you're not in a D1 situation. You're in a very 
I don't want to say manageable because what do I know? I mean, that could be a lot harder. You we were talking about you having to do laundry earlier. It could. It could. It's just it's different. It's interesting. I always said for the longest time I wanted to be in college. I wanted to be in college football. That's where I wanted to go. But ever since being with the Texans and seeing the way NFL teams run and thinking about what – and look, there are challenges everywhere. But NFL coaches don't have to worry about recruiting. Mm-hmm. I really don't – as it pertains to the free agent process, they, you know, they're just not out there – having to call this guy or that guy. If they have knowledge, they can share it. But they're coaching ball. They're just coaching football. They're not dealing with alums, and they're not dealing with guys that can do things that are shady in recruiting. I think if we were left, I would go back to the NFL. Plus, he has NFL cachet. So I think that would help him at the NFL level. But going back to the NFL, I think, would be the best thing for him to help NFL receivers. And maybe he starts off like Wes Welker. Look what Wes, Wes is doing. Yep. This is the, one of the greatest receivers of all time. Now he's helping Tim Kelly coach the tight ends just so he can get an understanding of different positions yep. on the field. Because he knows receiver. Yeah, He knows receivers. So now he's helping Tim with the tight ends. And I think that's going to end up making it's, Wes a really good coach. Down the it's road. Uh, such a great point. You have a football life done on Wes Welker. And here he is just learning the ropes yep. in the coaching profession. And Nate was actually talking to him for a while yesterday. All right, coming up, Brian Gain reloaded. Let's talk about defensive backs. Plenty of good information on Jonathan Joseph, on Tyron Matthew, on all of them. Coming up on Texans All Access. Texans All Access here at the Greenbrier. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And we like to do a little Brian Gain reloaded in the evening because many of you miss this in the morning. So here's Brian Gain talking about defensive backs. We start out talking about the veteran, Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, Jonathan's had a very good offseason for us. He's a good leader. Uh, his body is right. He's benefited from all the changes that we had in our offseason program. He trained well this spring and this summer. He was ready to go when he showed up to camp. Said he actually ate a salad, so that's a good thing for the first time. <laughs> I, I, which is fascinating to think about. But then again, as a kid has, hasn't eaten a salad as 18, I can understand that. The guy that we've talked a lot about, Brian, is Kevin Johnson. A, a tough year last year, banged up a little bit early, kind of banged up throughout the year. But his first year, rookie year, he battled, and I thought he had a good rookie year. And then he was, looked like he was on the verge in 16, and then he hurt his foot. And then last year had a tough year. What have you seen with Kevin going forward? to feel confident about what he can give you in his fourth year here? So two things. Number one, his body is right. And uh, num- number two, you can learn from the ups and downs. Yeah. You know, where there was a lot of ups here in your early part of Kevin's career, maybe perhaps last year it wasn't the year that he wanted. Uh, but he's had a very good offseason with us from strength development and body comp development. Um, he's learning everything he possibly can with Jonathan Joseph. Jonathan Joseph is a great mentor for the corner group. He's a great veteran leader and, and shows these guys some of the subtle subtleties and the nuances of playing the position. So he's getting great tutelage there. Coach Midget's done a great job with him with the, this offseason and having him ready to go. Um, Kevin's also got his body weight up as well this offseason, so he worked tremendously hard on that. Um, but I, I do think that there's something to learn from the ups and downs of, of playing the game and playing the position where, hey, look, these are the things I learned from all the positives. And perhaps if I didn't do these things well uh, last year, I can I can improve and develop in those areas. And I think Kevin has done a good job of trying to, to learn from those experiences. Brian, what are the expectations for Aaron Colvin, and how's he fitting in so far? So Aaron plays the uh, nickel position for us in, in sub-package defenses. He has the ability to play outside, and we know that, and that's a luxury for sure. 
but he's well-versed and experienced at playing that role. Item number two is he offers the height, weight, speed we like at that position. He's borderline six foot. He's 190 pounds. Um, he was a 4-4-4 guy coming out. So we like the idea that he offers the, the body type in there. Uh, and the other thing, too, is he played in the division. You know, very uh, very knowledgeable mm-hmm. about the opponents that we're going to have to play. Um, you know, the three teams twice a year. Brian, the the rise of the inside corner or slot corner, when you think back to when you first started in scouting, that really was not – I mean, teams played nickel, but the, the slot corner, that was really not something we talked about. Nowadays it feels like that's almost a part of your starting 11 defense is to have a slot corner like that. How has that really changed as you've looked at that position over the years you've been in the game? I would, I would uh, couch my response this way. It's really affected sub-package defense as a whole, not just the nickel position. Yeah. Whereas you, you need a rotational group at outside linebacker because you think about third down and you think about fourth quarter pass rush. We're seeing a, a spike over the last series of years in what we would call nickel offense and nickel defense where that substitution player may be on the field. It could be 40 to as high as 50% of the snaps in one game. So that role is critically important. Uh, middle of the field coverage. And that player has to be a smart, instinctive guy because a lot of it has to do with communication. Where's your help? You're, you're, if you're playing a perimeter corner, your eyes are always leaned you know, right in front of you and then inside. When you're playing that nickel spot, you're communicating with inside linebackers, perimeter corners, defensive back at the safeties in the, on the back end. So it requires a lot of communication, a lot of instincts, and a lot of smarts. So it's not an easy position to play. And we like that he's well-versed in the role because that's what he did in Jacksonville. And we like, obviously, what he's done in the AFC South because of the teams that we play. Um, but it's, it's a position that you have to have some instincts and smarts to excel at. Tyron Matthew, how's he doing as a Texan? Tyron's been off to a very good start with, uh, with us so far. He's had a very good offseason. More importantly, health. If I, if I stand corrected, I believe this might be his first full offseason, maybe since he was a rookie where he's had a full offseason to go into training camp, into the preseason. So we're hoping for a bounce-back year because I know he dealt with some some injury issues in the past. Um, But we're very optimistic that he's going to be an impactful player for us on our defense. He provides versatility, position flex. He can play from depth. He can play back end. He can play traditional safety. He can come down play the nickel. He can play in the dime package role. He's a pretty good blitzer. A very smart, instinctive, and savvy player. A guy that we've seen for a long time here, Brian, transition to safety is Kareem Jackson. What can you tell us about that transition for Kareem, how difficult that is, and how he's doing with it? Very unique skill set for Kareem. Uh, much what I said about uh, Tyron is uh, he's an instinctive guy, uh, plays with a good sense uh, and awareness, uh, understands route concepts and route combinations, very good feel for zones. Now, making the transition from corner to safety is, is easier said than done. Because a lot of it is angles. Yeah. You know, when you're playing on the perimeter and you're playing corner, there's really just a few angles you have to have a feel for. When you're moving back to safety, the run support angles, the run support fits are a whole lot different. Where is your help? Is it to the left, to the right? But your vision is straight ahead. It's to the left, to the right. It's behind you. So it's an all-encompassing position as it relates to having vision on the field. And I think each day he's come out here, he's showed he's been able to improve and get better at those things. What about Justin Reed, the rookie, Brian? Excited about Justin. Uh, when I think about the draft, he offered the, the height, weight, speed, uh, critical factors, and the, and the minimum standards and the prototypical measurables we look for. Item number one. Number two, he's not a one-hole guy. He has the ability to, to play in coverage. He has the ability to play man. He has the ability to be a run support player. 
He also has the ability to play in roles and jobs and substitution defense. So when he's called upon to play a hybrid down role, he can do that. If you need him on the back end, he can do that. Um, and he also is a pretty good run supporter. We're excited also about what he can be on fourth down because mm-hmm. he offers a speed presence to get down the field and, and be an impactful guy as it relates to dis- disrupting on coverage units. And I, and, and I, would, I would like to just say this, guys. I just want to mention that you know, we miss Andre Howe. And, you know, although he's not here, he, he's progressing well, and uh, we're wishing him the best. We fully support him. Great teammate. The guys miss him. We're all rallying around him, and we're fully supporting him here in his recovery. Yeah, we definitely miss Dre Howe as well. Another Stanford guy, if you will, that we we talk about the, the corner position. Sometimes he's a guy we, for, we forget about. I don't know why. We just do. But Johnson Batamosi, you watch him out here. He seemingly made plays. And you mentioned special teams. That's something that he has done very well throughout his career. But last year with the Patriots, he did get some time at outside corner. What have you seen with him, and why was he a valuable acquisition for you, Brian? Sure. So contributing player at the defensive back position, at the corner position, uh, great body type. This guy is six foot, six foot one, 205, 210 pounds, 4'4 speed, uh, perimeter corner. But the fourth down value, obviously, is key for us and what he can offer. But he offers the dimensions that we like when we have to match up against bigger receivers. We have somebody who provides a, a little more of a bigger physical presence at the corner spot. But one thing I know for sure is he, he's going to greatly upgrade and help and impact us on fourth down at Brad Seeley's group. And we're optimistic that you can carve out a role on the defense when, when and if we need him to participate. What can you tell us about the rest of the guys? You activated Kelly, so that was a good thing to see. I know he missed a little bit of time, but at least he's here now doing some stuff for you and some of the other young players like D. Virgin. Yeah, so we uh, drafted Jermaine Kelly in the seventh round uh, out of, out of uh, San Jose State. Uh, we're excited about his promise and potential. You've heard me say this before. I'll say it again about him. Height, weight, speed, six foot, 200, 205 pounds, 449 coming out has the ability to be an impactful player on special teams because of those things. So young developmental player, you know, there's promise, there's some potential, but we're excited about his his, his upside. Uh, D. Virgin's been a competitive guy for us out here. He's made a few players on the ball, so we continue to evaluate him. We're, we're excited about his progress, but it's a very competitive group on the back end now. Mm-hmm. So it all goes back to fourth down. You heard me mention this in the, in the, the previous interviews is, the impact of the fourth, fifth, sixth corner on special teams will very much influence who makes the roster and who doesn't. One guy, Brian, that we haven't talked about and moving back to safety a little bit is Corey Moore. And I remember in 2015 when he came here as a tryout player, and now he's been on this 53-man roster ever since. And throughout his time, he's made some plays. Watching him out in training camp, it feels like he's around the football. He's sort of a ball magnet. He, it feels like he's improving each and every day. What are your thoughts about Corey Moore? Yeah, so first and foremost, he's healthy. You know, uh, uh, Corey had to get healthy this offseason. He dealt with an injury, and now he's back. Uh, he missed some time in the offseason program, so he's had some catching up to do in that regard. What, here's what I can tell you about Corey, and, and some people may not know. He is a great teammate. Uh, guy loves football. He's passionate. He's prepared. He works hard. Uh, will, will play any role you ask him to do. Uh, unselfish player. So we're excited about evaluating him here in, in training camp. The safety position now has changed from last year. There's a lot of competition here. Again, it'll go back to fourth down. So with, with Tyron here, with, with Reed here, with Kareem now at safety, there's a lot of competition in spots one, two, three, four, and even five. So we're excited about that, that the competition is just going to bring out the best in everybody. But, but Corey's had a good camp so far, and uh, the number one thing is he's healthy. 
Brian, thanks so much for joining us tomorrow. Linebackers and fourth down, special teams. Thanks a lot. There's Brian Gain on Texans All Access. We have him on in the morning. We'll have him on tomorrow at 9 a.m. In fact, tomorrow we go on at 8 a.m. as we do every morning the first couple of weeks of training camp. We are at the Greenbrier. want to thank all of you for listening. Also tomorrow... We'll have Alfred Blue. Drew Doherty gets to know him a little bit better. And Drew's Dirty Dozen Questions is a very popular feature now at HoustonTexans.com. And I urge you, encourage you really, to check out the website for all your videos and information on the Texans for the 2018 season and beyond and forever. Okay, thank you, Johnny. Thank you, everyone. Have a great evening. And go Texans.